Hello, you're listening to the How to CEO podcast. I'm your host, Murray Newlands. The world has changed. You chose to become a CEO. Things can be tough and things can crash and burn, or you can build the startup, the company of your dreams. Creating the company of your dreams is, is not easy. There are many obstacles, many hard uh, lessons along their way. Uh, we, with this show, will give you all the knowledge, insights, the expert opinions, everything you need to know to have a great company and build a great team. I am honored uh, today uh, to have a guest, uh, Mark Goldstein, who I have um, interviewed before, who is an amazing expert, who speaks at many of the world's leadership uh, converse, uh, conferences. And he has um, great thoughts on how you can become a great leader. Mark, thank you very much for being on the show. Well, thank you for having me. And just just your description triggered some observation. Might I hear them right out of the gate? Absolutely. You know, my last mentor was a fellow named Warren Bennis. And anybody who knows anything about leadership will know the name Warren Bennis because he mentored Howard Schultz from Starbucks, David Gergen uh, at CNN. He's advised several presidents and he died a few years ago and I miss him every day. And one of the distinctions that he and I made in our conversations were that leaders uh, go where they're looking and managers look where they're going. And what that means is a, a leader, especially a visionary, needs to be above the fray and see a vision or something beyond the horizon that nobody else sees. Steve Jobs and Elon Musk are poster children for this. They see, they see beyond the horizon and they go where they're looking. Uh, managers are tied to performance. They get the stuff done and there's usually a huge conflict between leaders and managers. And the problem is if, uh, if, and I think Apple would not have succeeded without Tim Cook. Because right. Steve Jobs needed Tim Cook to keep the trains on the rails. And Tim Cook's job was not to make Steve Jobs less of a difficult person. His job was to do damage control as Steve created all, these, uh, all this roadkill as he walked through Apple. And, uh, and someone told me, I haven't verified it, but uh, that some big investment companies, and this may be a rumor, it might be true, but someone told me that Goldman Sachs refused to fund Facebook unless Mark Zuckerberg had a Sheryl Sandberg. I can see it because you need that you need that team to make a successful company. That's right, you know, and that's why that's why I feel for presidents and COOs. I think there's a famous book called Riding Shotgun because you're between a rock and a hard place. You're between a visionary who who runs on adrenaline and vision, and you have to get it out the door, and you got to do it efficiently. And so the COO is often in between those places. And I will tell you, anyone who has helped me in that COO uh, position, uh, I think they work well with me and for me because I realize how incompetent I am beyond seeing beyond the horizon. So I seem to be able to help CEOs and founders see beyond the horizon 
Um, and, uh, but I need to be reined in myself. But it takes someone, um, it takes an interesting thought for someone who has the confidence and conviction to be CEO, uh, to take their jump, and then to also say, hey, I need help, and to recognize what they're incompetent at, and to bring that person on board, because that person is also going to be hugely influential in their life. That person, in many ways, is going to say no to lots of things they're going to say as well. Well, I think there's nothing that helps you succeed when you're that CEO who thinks he or she doesn't need to listen to anyone. There's nothing that helps you realize that more than humiliation. I think when you have a great uh, vision or a great uh, idea and you've lost uh, several companies, uh, uh, there's a friend of mine who sees me as a mentor and I can't mention him, but he's well known uh, in the tech world. And I remember years ago, um, he was a wonder kinder and his friends would say, how come you're not a billionaire yet? And what it turned out is that he, uh, he really couldn't run successful companies. So mm-hmm. he's now you know, a very successful investor. And, uh, uh, but that was, but that was, uh, that was the problem. Uh, and I'll tell you something. One of the reasons that it's tough to rein in these founders who won't listen to you is they run on momentum and they're not that flexible. They're not able to pivot. One of the most right. important things to succeed in life is to pivot. And sometimes you get so focused on your vision uh, and you can't execute it that you can't pivot. I, I will tell you something that where I'm being brought in in a number of places. There's a number of technology companies, and if you're listening, you might be one of them, who say to me, we have a product and service that works 100% of the time, but we can't get anyone to use it or try it. We give them a free trial, they won't do it. We actually will pay them to try it for a month, they won't do it. And so they're a victim of their own narrow vision. And so they often bring me in to be able to engage their end user. And, uh, and we will change the languaging of their website, make it not just user-friendly, but user-exciting. Um, and, and here's another thing that I, I've been coaching a number of CEOs on or founders. You need to be compelling to open people's minds and convincing to close the deal. Too many people are convincing out of the gate. And you, and you have to gain access to the other person's mind. And if you try to convince them out of the gate, not only won't you convince them, you're going to come off as annoying and a bore. So, so what kind of personality do you think it takes, ideally, to become a successful CEO? I think what it really takes is you need to have uh, you know, one, of the, uh, one of my favorite books was, that was co-written by Warren Bennis and I think Noel Tishy, I think is his name, was called Judgment how great leaders make great judgment calls. And they said, there are three things that successful leaders 
have to make good judgment call. And a good judgment call means you make a decision and it works out. If you make decisions and they never work out, you make terrible judgment calls. And they said the secret to being a successful leader is you need to make a, have great judgment calls when it comes to strategy, people, and crisis. Strategy, people, and crisis. Uh, it goes without saying you have to have a vision of a product or a service that you know that solves a problem. Yep. But, but after that, and uh, I don't want to get into politics, but there are some people we know. If you say, "Gee, how is their strategy, their people decisions, and how do they deal with crisis?" You can see that the leadership of the world is really challenged because they don't do very well. But I, I, I think that makes so much sense uh, uh, to be able to have good judgment calls in those areas. And then how, let's take, uh, let's take people. Um, what's your advice for becoming a great leader and getting people on team? Well, I think, first of all, it's great to have an aspirational moon mission. One of the things that enabled Steve Jobs and Elon Musk to get away with being abusive is people work for Tesla and SpaceX and Apple because it was your ride to the future. Right. You got to be part of science fiction. If you read studies about the Apollo 11 mission, uh, you got these cowboy uh, aerospace engineers who want ne aren't necessarily cooperative by nature to have a chance to be able to go to the moon. So I think if you have some sort of a vision that is, uh, that is so astounding that people won't uh, let their pettiness and egos get in the way, that is great. Now, it's very rare to have, be that kind of person, to have that kind of vision. You know, this is... Uh, and most of your listeners, 95% of your listeners aren't visionaries like that. But you do want to have something that engages your, uh, your, your customers, your investors, and the talent you want to acquire. For a year and a half, I toured playing Steve Jobs returning from the dead. And I had the turtleneck on, I had the glasses on, and I retired it because He's old news, and I got to wait for Elon Musk to die before I do him. But the key to it is there was a formula that Steve Jobs and Elon Musk follow. And when I've shared this formula, a friend of mine is the CEO of all of Harvard Business Publishing, oh. David Wan. Another friend, a person I know is Art Kleiner. He was at the competitor strategy in business. And when I shared this formula with them, they each spontaneously pulled out a piece of paper and wrote it down. And I'm guessing that if you're listening to this podcast, a big part of you will do the same. And here's the formula. You have to create woe, wow, hmm, yes. W-H-O-O, W-O-W, hmm, yes. And when I played Steve Jobs, in my presentations, I'd show a, a video, a dramatization of Steve Jobs discovering the graphical user interface at Xerox Park. And if you look up Steve Jobs National Geographic Xerox Park, you'll see it. And when the actor playing Steve Jobs lays eyes on the mouse and you look into Steve Jobs' face, you see him go, 
whoa, I can't believe what I just saw. So whoa is I can't believe what I just saw, heard, or read. And mm-hmm. you created it when you're giving a presentation to an audience because people who've been texting will elbow the person next to them and say, what did he say? What did she say? That's the whoa. And then the wow is that is unbelievable, amazing, astonishing. Your product or service does such and such? Yeah, we do it every day. And then the hmm is this is too good not to use. Don't know how we're going to use it, but it's too good not to use. And then the yes is sold. And so in that two-minute video clip, you see that's exactly what he does with the graphical user interface and creates the Macintosh. So what I would say to companies and people listening, go to your marketing department. Look at every place that touches the world, whether it's customers, clients, investors, or the talent you're trying to acquire, and see if you trigger whoa, wow, hmm, yes, because in this no attention span world, if you don't trigger whoa, wow, hmm, yes, you're going to trigger, nah, never mind, no thanks, pass. That's, that, that's, uh, that's, that's really good advice. So, so you're able to set up the, the formula for the vision um, for the company, for what the company is doing. How do you, um, how do you hire and bring on a manager team to follow you on this crazy journey? Well, it's interesting when I, when I, at this stage of my life, I don't help toxic a-holes. Okay. So when I'm working with someone, well, my first thing is to hopefully create a whoa, wow, hmm, yes in them that they see, oh, maybe he can help me. But I tell them, I say, here's my deal breaker. And, and, and this will often get their hackles up. And, and, I'll, and, and I'll sometimes say, and I have reason to pause with you. And I'll say, I don't work with companies in which anyone is afraid to come to work because of someone else's personality. Right. They can Absolutely. be afraid because they're incompetent and they're, not, and they're not correcting their mistakes. But I can't condone abuse for you to make money. And you worry me. And, and, uh, and I remember one founder said to me, you walk away from money? And I said, apparently I just have. <laughs> and he looked at me and it was really weird. Uh, we were at a restaurant and he leaned in so that no one could hear him. And he said, um, he said, I've always been this way. It cost me a marriage and two companies can you fix it? And I looked at him and I said, it's an addiction. The best you can be is an asshole in recovery. (laughs) But you got to work on it every day. And he said, would you help me? I said, I don't know if you're helpable. And he said, well, would you try? I said, you're on probation. Wow. 30 days. But the first sign that I see you taking delight in hurting being cruel to someone, especially someone less than you. I'm out of there. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, so, so the point is, at this stage of my life, there's a saying, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. So that's what I stand up for. I, I, I can't allow toxic workplaces. I just can't. 
And that's the, that's the first the first stage as a CEO to make sure your workplace isn't toxic. Make sure everyone wants to be there. Well, if they work with me now, now the point is if you you know if if you have a if you have a a, a beeline to the future, you can get away with it being toxic. But I think the cost is too much, and I think things have changed. You know, when you hear the biography of Steve Jobs, and you hear about all the people who lost their marriages to be part of Apple. You know, I, I think things have changed. I'm not sure you could do that anymore. And with the hashtag Me Too, uh, you know, th there needs to be a new way to get results without abusing people. No, that's, that's excellent. And how do you recruit people to your course? What's, what's your number one way of getting? You've got this vision. You're making sure that people who come in are going to stay. They're not going to be pushed out through toxic. How do you recruit people to your course? How do you build fans? Well, I, well, I think you do a, uh, I think the, the greater you can create, whoa, wow, hmm, yes, people will come. Because, see, the whoa, wow, hmm, yes that Steve Jobs experienced when he saw the graphical user interface is the exact experience of at least to be of Apple customers whenever a new product would come out. In fact, I had a company which I've, uh, I've, I've, uh, uh, disbanded and it was it was called uh, the Goulston group and our subtitle is we create gotta have it and so the way you create gotta have it is which are fans raving fans is you create whoa wow hmm, yes in them yep. and so you have to uh and you have to be able to share that with people i'm, I'm right. a great a great fan of the minimal viable product you know from from lean management yeah you know don't don't put too don't put too much energy and money into something that no one will care about because you'll build up inventory that nobody cares about and, and don't be too paranoid put something out there in the world mm -hmm. and we uh you know see what people say about it. who are some phenomenal ceos that you admire why I, uh, she left PepsiCo, but Indra Nuri was one of my favorites. And why? Uh, well, let, let me focus on someone who is my current favorite, which is Satya Nadella, the CEO of Microsoft. Mm -hmm. Because first, uh, they're open-minded. Uh, he talked about in his wonderful book, Hit Refresh, that you need to have a growth mindset instead of a fixed mindset. You need to be a learn-it-all as opposed to a know-it-all. And Satya Nadella, you know, had that. Steve Ballmer really didn't, although, you know, I've talked to people who actually love Steve Ballmer, who is just this amazingly energetic people, person who would come in. So even though some people gave him bad press, there's a lot of people who just love the guy. The Clippers love him. Um, and, but, he, but his whole notion of, feel respecting people respecting people's dignity so yeah. i would say he's that yeah my current favorite he, i certainly favor him over uh, zuckerberg bezos and uh and musk and i think part of it is i think bezos zuckerberg and musk and they wouldn't disagree with me and i shouldn't be throwing these things these names out but they're on the spectrum, you know, they're on this meaning, you know, they have Asperger's or something like that or features of it. And the problem is that when you have 
Asperger's, you're focused on your goals, but you don't really focus on people and you need people to help you reach those goals. Whereas I have a feeling that Satya Nadella really has, has a feeling for people, the importance of people, the importance to empower them. Whereas I think the other three people I mentioned are not bad people, but I don't think they, uh, they, they see the value of people as human beings. Excellent. Thank you. And if, if people are listening to this and, um, and they love that advice and they can introduce you to one type of person, who would you love to be introduced to? Well, I would love to be introduced to Satya Nadella because, um, uh, you know, if you look at my profile on LinkedIn, and I'm going to keep it, it's, it's eloquent as heck, but the business community doesn't know what to do with it. But it's who I am. My profile says, uh, uh, I'm the founder of Scaling Compassion, humanizing the workplace and the world one conversation at a time. Yep. And that's what I'm about. You know, that's why it's a deal breaker if you are inhumane. And so I would love to be able to uh, interact with uh, people like Satya Nadella. And, uh, and by the way, um, people, uh, people open up to me because I, I can often listen, I guess read their mind, what they're not saying. Like, I'll, I'll give your listeners a taste because I'm going to do it with you, Murray. Okay. Uh, so what you're listening for in me as a guest, tell me if I'm right, let me put on my Swami cap here, is what you're listening for is, I so I'm you, I'll channel you. I can't, quite, I can't quite put on the accent, so I'll not try to do that. But... If I'm you, what you're listening for is, I want to bring value to CEOs. I want to bring value so they not only listen to my podcast, they refer to other CEOs they know. Uh, they, uh, I want them to be able to have a whoa, wow, hmm, yes reaction to my podcast. Absolutely. Because, you know, because uh, the value, the advice, uh, tips that they can implement today are just so compelling that they'll want to share that with everyone they know. They right. want to play my podcast in their executive meetings. So yep. you're, you're listening for that. You're also listening for people who make no sense, offer no value because you have to find a way to tell them, you know, I'm sorry we couldn't publish your interview. <laughs> <laughs> because I have to protect my audience from you. <laughs> yeah, that, absolutely. absolutely. I mean, yeah. Did I get you right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And so, um, uh, and it's interesting. Uh, here, here may be a, a lasting you know, suggestion. Something um, that I'm learning from being with Larry King. So I, I'm in the good fortune to be in Larry King's breakfast club. And what I've learned from Larry is that whoever you're with, they are listening for something. Right. 
And if you can identify what they're listening for and drop your personal agenda, it's amazing how they'll open up. So if I got correctly, what you were listening for is, is is this going to be a keeper or is this a throwaway interview? Hopefully it's a keeper. That's what you're listening for because uh, a, you don't want to waste people's time. Yes. People hate having their time wasted. Yeah. And, and, and uh, B you want to give them such value that they'll actually listen to it again and refer other people to it. So, so wherever you go, if you're a CEO, if you're a founder uh, and you're there pitching your company to investors, they're always listening for something. What they're listening for. I've actually come up with a meme. Uh, I wrote an article. Uh, it's kind of cute. It's on LinkedIn. And the article is 1116, a meme is born. Okay. And it was the best question to ask a hiring manager. So here's the 1116 meme. And in the, uh, you can find it on LinkedIn, Goulston. And what 1116 means is whenever you're uh, wanting to be hired or if you're pitching your company to someone else, what they're really listening for is, am I going to, if I say yes, am I going to regret it one day, one week, and one month from now? That's the one, one, one. Mm-hmm. They're listening for something that, oh my God, I just made a terrible decision. How do I get out of it? Yeah. And the six is what the hiring manager is listening for is in six months, will the hiring manager's boss tell him or her, you just hired the best person we've hired in our company in five years. If you can find us three more like that, I'm going to get a raise and you're going to get a raise. Mark, thank you very much. Awesome advice. Thank you for being on the show. And um, thank you for listening. And I look forward to uh, talking next time. 